0: Welcome to Briarwood Football Classics. I'm Matthew Forster. I'm the head coach of Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama. This season is the 50th season of Briarwood football and we're publishing this podcast to remember some great games and moments from the past and these are Briarwood Football Classics. This is part two of our time with Coach Fred Yancey. It's been a joy just to talk with him about his memories of Briarwood football and his life uh, Is a football coach and a player then the okay. next person we talked to was uh, Harlan Bailey <laughs> and uh, that was such a fun fun time with him and the JV chant and and uh, but the win over viger we kind of talked about that how Even years later, you'd stop me from time to time. Hey, Coach Matthews, and I go, well, He goes, "Hey, we beat Viker." (laughs) So, anyway, any thoughts the the Harlands crew coming through? Because that was a a, really a special time as well.
1: Well, it was it was a time when we weren't as talented, probably, as we had been, but they they were still a great group of guys who were pretty good, Uh, and we just needed to gel that year. But when we played Viker. The first drive of the game, we dinked and dunked and scored a touchdown. Now, they came roaring back, just pounded us, and uh, scored. And couldn't kick extra points. And we were up seven to six. Then they came back and they pounded us again. And they were up 13 to seven. And uh, they just mashed us all game. We didn't get another first down until... The last two minutes of the game, we had the uh, we had to get the ball down. We were down 13 7, and uh, we hit some pretty nice little old shots. And uh, Daniel Robert, we had it fourth and 17, and we threw a double pass out to Daniel Robert, the wideout, who threw it all the way back across the field to Reagan White, and Reagan was not the fastest guy we've ever had. But he was a tougher dude, and he, he made the catch, and he got the yards we needed. And then we were able to uh, throw the pass as time was running out into the end zone. Uh, and and uh, Sam uh, Morris made a nice grab as he was crossing the end, end zone back line for the touchdown. Well, we, now we've got to kick the extra point because it's 13-13. They, a timeout is called. We're uh, on the sideline, and uh, I kept emphasizing we do this all the time. We can make the extra point. But I also knew that those Viger kids were coming after us, and they were likely to block it. But then Reagan Reeves, our third-string center who snapped on extra points, said, Coach, this would be when I want to call water, water. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a signal that we'd worked on all year that if we he calls water, water, It meant we weren't going to snap the ball on rhythm, but he was going to just hang on to the ball, and we were going to give a lot of hut, hut, huts, and then he would snap it when ready, and we'd hope to catch them back on their heels. Well, that's exactly what happened. Uh, We held on the ball, made the snap, made the kick, and I always gave Reagan Reeves a lot Mm -hmm. of the credit for one of the biggest wins in the school history because he paid attention to the details. He remembered the little things, actually even when I'd forgotten about that. So I, I, I passed that credit along to Reagan and knowing that that was a that was a big deal to the team.
0: I wanted to put these two together because of some comparisons and contrasts. But you had two teams that finished runner up, yeah. led by ter- two terrific quarterbacks. You know Barrett Trotter, and then uh, Michael Ayers, uh, yeah. who's just tearing it up now. Was the he was the National Offensive Player of the Week yeah. this past week. Yeah. So some thoughts back to those those two teams because there might be some people say, well, they didn't win the the blue trophy, but you've always done a great job of saying, no, the the red trophies. Uh, it hurts to lose that game, but it's also a very special time.
1: Well, I'm I'm very proud of those teams that were uh, running up, just like I'm proud of the teams that uh, won it all. But, you know, in, in every year that I ever coached at Briarwood, I could give you a, a reasons why I'm proud of those teams uh, because uh, as badly as we want to win, uh, football is like life. It's not undefeated. And uh, so you've got to learn to uh, deal with the, the difficulty. of. But in Barrett Trotter's uh, case, uh, when he was in the 10th tenth, tenth grade, we went to the spread stuff and really started chunking it around. He was perfect for it, and he just had a marvelous career. Later, went on and started down to Auburn and just a nice coaching with us. And it's just a thrill to see Barrett around every time. But uh, we we had some kids that could pass and catch. Now we didn't have great offensive linemen. Uh, during those years, except they fought their guts out. Mm-hmm. And the way that system was designed, we just asked them to play hard and, and, and do what they could. Uh, and sometimes they'd get run over, but by then those quarterbacks would get the ball out and we were, we were usually okay. And we had some good running backs, Jonathan Sellers uh, being the one I think about who was just such a special running back for us. Uh, back when Barrett was playing, but we had a we had some really good teams. We played great defense. I give Coach Forrester and, uh, and well, I had both Mike and Matthew uh, coaching Forrest uh, together, and uh, we uh, we just had some great coaches, and we put some put together some great players. Walker May, who was later a great player at Vanderbilt, uh, Alex Davis. Andy Davis, oh, I could go on. We've had some we, – we were loaded. We were good, and for us to be state runner-up was, was quite an accomplishment because uh, we had to beat some good teams to do that. Now, Michael Ayers was a, a, a different story. As a 10th grader, he was 130 pounds, uh, too little to really play much, but we knew he was good, but he was J- JV. And then as a junior – Uh, We had William Gray, who had a great senior. William was having a great senior year, and William just took it and ran with it and had a great season. Well, then Michael's senior year, he's never started,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, never played much. And in the first game of the season against Chelsea, they had a good team, and uh, we we knew we were going to be pretty good. But I told Michael, I said, just don't fumble the ball. (laughs) Just don't turn it over. Our defense will win the game for us. Just be careful. First play of the first game of the first snap as a starter, he fumbles the ball. <laughs> well, when he came out, I couldn't be happy. So I just didn't say much to him. I just looked at him as hard as I could. And then uh, I knew he'd get over it. He'd be fine. So we go back in for the second series. And about on third down of the second series of his senior year, first start, he fumbled the ball again.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And uh, – This was when I knew I had a a real special guy. He came off that field. I had fire in my eyes. He had fire in his eyes. I looked at him and I said, what the heck are you doing? And he said, coach, I got it. And you know what? I believed him.
0: Mm, That's great. And
1: and so I backed off. And boy, Michael just went on to have an all-state year because he had it. And he's still got it out there at Sanford right now. He's a tough young man who uh who was big team little me all the way
0: so i want to kind of wrap up a little bit with uh the transition now you know you uh your retirement and uh and then we go on the search and select matthew forrester and so you've seen that transition and i think about how many situations like that don't go well you know where you're trying to follow a guy that gets inducted in the football hall of fame and uh and yet matthew really kind of hit the road running uh so just a little bit of kind of your observations of the transition and then you know we'll finish up the whole series uh with him next week talking about now into the future but uh just some thoughts about uh your observations of of briarwood football you know post fred yancey
1: well uh I really knew that during the 2017 season when we were 14-0 and 0, going into that state championship game down at Alabama and we lost a heartbreaker to St. Paul and uh, I was contemplating retiring about that time. I was 71 years old at the time and I know that's old and, uh, I, and I felt like I was still coaching fine and I felt, uh, you know, that wasn't anything that I was skipping to beat on, I didn't think, but I also know that you got to be careful when you're that age that you don't uh, that you don't uh, mess up and stay too long. Well, we when we lost that state championship game, I, I thought, man, I've got so much many good reasons to come back for one more year. Uh, J.R. Tran Reno and that group of seniors, were a group that would gonna be seniors, Dalton Brooks and that crowd. I wanted to coach them, and I knew going into it that this was gonna be my last year. I don't think I told anybody, but uh, Sharon, my wife, we we talked about it, but I don't think we talked to anybody else about that this was going to be the last year. And uh, I I did that on purpose. I didn't want the season to be about me. I wanted it to be about those boys. And we had a great season that year. We went 9-3 and, three and uh, won some big games and they had a great crew of young people to finish up with. Uh, in the transition... I knew it wasn't my place to make the pick on who would be the coach, and I never tried to uh, uh, go to anybody and say, "Hey, you got to do what I think you got to do." Uh, I just—I uh, wasn't the way I operate. Uh, I was grateful that uh, the Lord had allowed me to have a wonderful career. I knew the timing was good. People ask me even today, "Do you miss coaching football?" And the answer is yes, always will. But I retired at the right time, and for the right reasons, and we had the right guy in place. And uh, as Coach Matthews went through the process, and they went through a thorough process of finding my replacement, we really did have the right guy, ready to go. Matthew Forrester had played for us from the time he was in the seventh grade through. had been a great player out at Samford, and a great coach for us for about 16 years uh, before uh, this opportunity came. So uh, I felt comfortable that it was the right transition, made the right way to the right guy.
0: So I know you can't sum up 29 years at Briarwood and 49 years as a head coach overall, but I did think that in terms of your thoughts about it as far as the ministry of it, both as you having ministry in other players' lives, but also the – the experience being a ministry to you, um, mm-hmm. any closing thoughts as you think about you know, your years as a head coach, uh, mm-hmm. serving the school, dean of students, um, as you as you think about it now? Of course, you're still serving us by doing Bible studies for the coaches and all, so I think that's pretty cool. But any, any closing thoughts of, of, of football as a ministry?
1: I used to, when I was a little boy, I'd go to church and they'd have – altar call for people wanting to go to Africa to be missionaries. And I would always say, Lord, please don't call me to Africa. <laughs> I don't want to go. And thankfully he didn't. But, you know, I always knew that as a Christian, uh, When I, uh, after I became a Christian, I always knew that uh, life has a call to it. And for me, it was to be a football coach. For me, it was to... Uh, be an impact as a coach for Christ's sake. I, but I didn't really understand all that clearly until I worked at Evangelical Christian School in the 80s. Uh, coach Rob Ritchie uh, uh, was my assistant coach there, and and he, shot, he showed, taught, and modeled Christian coaching so well, and I learned a lot from him. And a lot of it was just in... What the opportunity is, and how to take advantage of that opportunity as a coach in front of high school kids. And uh, so, when I came to Briarwood, I really felt like I was prepared to have a ministry that Dr. Conard was looking for somebody to have and coach football. Now, I used to, when I'd meet with the coaches in coaches' meetings before the season, I'd say, We've got to be good football coaches. Uh, we've got to we've got to know what we're doing, and we've got to be ready to go as football coaches, in order to have an impact for Christ that would be the the best we could have. And so my coaches were always excited about coaching football, but they were always excited about uh, the impact that they would have on the lives of these young people. And I think over the years that was the the the, the best thing is I'm really actually getting to see. The some of the results of uh, what went on like when we had that 50 year football thing a few weeks ago uh, when I see kids out that used to play for me and I see how the Lord's working in their lives now and I know that we were a part of that and like I used to tell parents football's not the only way to grow up but it's a good way and uh, a lot of these young men grew up the right way and for them, playing football is a real good way, and the Lord has used the game of football in their lives and in my life all these years.
0: Well, Coach, we could talk forever, uh, and the stories are just, we've left out more good stories than even included, but uh, it's been so good to have you a part of this and still have your presence around campus and you're looking good, sounding good and uh just excited about uh you know what these next steps are going to look like
1: thank you jay i I, uh still uh, love what's going on at briarwood uh i always tried to keep my ears open as dean of students and uh, any other other roles that i played at briarwood as to the climate of the kids in the halls and i happened to be by here a couple of weeks ago and i was out in the halls when classes were changing and I was so impressed with the kids that are here now. I don't know many of them personally, but I was just impressed that, boy, as, as we used to talk about, they, they, these are happy halls. And I think for the right reasons, because I think they're being given the right leadership here at Briarwood. I
2: can't create in this halftime the emotion that you're going to have to create on the field to win it. All I can tell you guys is that I'm not disgusted, discouraged, or do I feel like that we're going to go out to do anything except win? I promise you, in the history of football, for a team to be down by six in a big game, that's nothing. That's nothing. Now, if we came in here, fellas, and you were down by 21, if you were down by 21, I would be real nervous. I'd be real worried. Because 21 points against that bunch would be hard to win over. But six points against Briarwood? Six points against Briarwood? I feel like we can win. I just think that this team right here is good enough. I think this team right here is good enough to just sit your chin up, to walk out there and just say, "By gosh, you're not going to walk off this field beating us tonight. You're just not going to do it. We're going to tackle better than we did in the first half. We're going to block a lot better than we did in the first half. By golly, boys, if you believe me, if you trust me, if you've trusted me whenever we were knocking down and some of these folks in the chin real easy, you better trust me when it's tight. You better trust Coach Forrester. You better trust Coach Castillo. You better trust all of the coaches, Coach Matthews, Coach Brakefield, Coach Jackson, Coach Tooth, because, boys, we're not a bad disappointed if you didn't follow my lead right now and go out and fight your guts out and have some fun and win this thing. This is going to be the greatest victory in Briarwood's history right now. Believe it, man. This is going to be the greatest victory in Briarwood's history right now. That's not pep talk. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. That's, right. that's what you're here for. Can you do it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, let's go. Have some fun let's